For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Vikings, come out and Listen to the Believe in Vikings podcast with B Mac and Baker. Welcome, 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 and Skull Vikings. This is Believe in Vikings. I am your host, Dustin Baker. I'm here with Sally from Minneapolis, Ron Saw, and Brian McKinney, a Super Bowl champion who played with the Vikings, Ravens, and Dolphins. This week, we got some stuff to get into, like Everson Griffin returning to the team, the preseason doldrums to date, the quarterback two situation, and some of the most outrageous storylines from the offseason that we all went through. Those are the items we're going to speak of tonight. First, we're going to talk about betonline.ag. If you're into sports betting, BetOnline is where you should go to win money today. Whether it's live bets during games or futures for who you think will win a championship, BetOnline has the latest odds, news, and information for all of your online sports betting needs. For example... Patrick Mahomes is the front runner to win the MVP in the NFL this year. If you think that will come to fruition, go bet on Mr. Mahomes. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome to bonus on your first deposit. So before you head to the next big game, head on over to betonline.ag and start playing today. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. And then on balance seven, I don't know if you've heard about Lamar Odom. He could be returning to professional basketball soon in Spain. There was a a press release uh, about how he began taking a pH balancing alkaline supplement called balance seven. And that's what helped him bounce back from his hospitalization in 2015. He uh, said, and I quote, I have an enormous amount of energy, which is good for me. It's important when working out. Uh, I always need energy to level up. And we couldn't agree with Lamar More on that one, after watching him fight Aaron Carter in July's celebrity boxing match, it's safe to say that Balance 7 is indeed working for him. Uh, The cool thing is there's a promotion running on Balance 7 right now. If you want to go to their website, balance7.com, and use the code BLEAV at checkout, you'll receive a free four-ounce bottle of My Smooth Skin with any purchase of Balance 7 products. That product retails for $13.99, so it is worth it. Again, head to balance7.com and use the code BELIEVE at checkout. To get in on that promotion, uh, head on over there, and if it worked for Lamar Odom, it can work for you. Welcome back, Tom. We had you on air during the season last year. How have you been, Chief? I've been great. Been traveling a lot and uh, watching a lot of Viking stuff, and uh, met Brian Robinson, so that's always a plus. Oh yeah, and then you also met Mr. McKinney, who's on. Oh yeah, he's gonna sit up here and talk about he met Brian Robinson. <laughs> oh yeah, my bad. He <laughs> say that. We played some bags. It was fun. Is that what you call it? Cornhole. It was a an athletic endeavor for sure. Me and B Mac killed it. Oh, you guys are partners? No, no. We wanted to be. I think. I wanted to be your partner. So I didn't mind being your partner either. I think they just gave me somebody else. 
Yeah. Wow. How did you meet B Rob? You know, I just saw him there and I was like, I'm going to meet that guy. So I waited. B Rob? Yeah. He was at the stadium for the first preseason game. Oh, oh, oh okay. And you just yeah. approached him and said, What up, mine? and took a picture. Yeah, I said, I've always liked you since uh, you were on Vikings Twitter, always responding to people, positive. 96 questions is great. And he was like, let's take a picture. Let's do this. Oh, wow. Uh, how about Dustin hasn't seen 96 questions? Embarrassing what? fact, I just found out. Yeah, I, I've, I've made it well known to the group that uh, my Twitter experience started at the end of 2019. And <sighs> up until then, I would just read... ESPN and find stats on my own. So I don't know of this 96 questions. Imagine not having the Vikings app and (laughs) could not be me. You don't follow my timeline that closely, do you, Dustin? I'm always posting clips from 96 questions. Well, in retrospect, yeah, but this came up because I told Sally, and this is a segue. Nice, Sally. I appreciate it. Uh, Mm -hmm. Everson Griffin was welcome back to the team, and we'll go into detail here in uh, that in a minute. But when he had his press conference, I told Sally that he didn't sound like I expected. I expected him to sound aggressive and have a booming voice, but he sounded more like Eddie Murphy to me, which was totally fine. And Eddie Murphy, his voice, <laughs> yeah. Look at Bryant. But Bryant, Bryant disagrees. No, not as bad you say Eddie Murphy. Why do you say Eddie Murphy? I said I, I thought, in my opinion, that Everson Griffin's voice sounds like Eddie Murphy's. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that is a, a singular opinion I, of mine, evidently. I haven't uh, heard Eddie's voice in a long time, so I don't know. Well, I'm, yeah, that's what back, I'm trying to think in my head. I'm thinking of the Eddie that I grew up with in the late 80s and early 90s. So I don't know. That's just the parallel I drew. But I said, Sally, does is that how you thought he'd sound? And I was like, I've never really heard him talk. And she was like, oh, well, you've never watched 96 questions. And I was like, ooh, evidently I've been exposed. Yeah, you have. I mean, I don't even think you should be allowed to edit any website, oh, let alone boy. Vikings territory. <laughs> yeah, We're yeah. taking that check mark away. Sir. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if I wake up throwing it stripped, you guys know why. So Griffin is indeed back. He expressed interest back in January that he wanted to come home. And then uh, they had the Twitter jargon that didn't work in his favor. And then he went Twitter silent. Then there was kind of a seven-month-long flirtation about whether he'd actually come back if there would be amends made, if the Vikings would sign somebody else and end up not needing him or draft somebody else. But they ultimately uh, brought Griffin back aboard. It turns out, at least out of the gate, it will be for a situational pass rush, and I think he'll earn the starting gig back at some point on the right side of the line. But, Ron, I'm going to start with you. Do you think that this is going to be a big deal, that he's a huge presence, or will it just be kind of a footnote to the 2021 season? I think it will be a big deal. Um, I mean, if you look at our defense, really the only weakness out there was that DN spot opposite of Hunter. And while we had a bunch of guys that we could rotate in um, and potentially develop, um, Griffin gives you that guy that you know what you're going to get out of him. You know, he's going to work hard. He's going to be a great locker room presence, um, regardless of, you know, any past tweets. We know what he brings on the field. And, um, you know, Brian's alluded to in the past that last year we didn't have that guy to step up and be vocal and get 
you know, everyone else to uh, commit. And now not only do we add him, now you add, you know, Patrick Peterson and all these other veterans into the mix. Um, so I think on the field, off the field, it's just going to be um, a great fit. Um, now, how limited is he going to be as far as just being on the wrong side of 30? That's yet to be uh, be determined. But uh, I think um, he's really destined to be that four, three base starting end. Um, and then at let Wanham And, um, I think Weatherly is the odd man out, unfortunately. Um, but again, I'm not making personnel decisions, but, um, I mean, they have depth, so it's, uh, it's good to see. Bryant, you know, Everson, correct? Yes. To be a pretty solid dude. He was pretty solid. He was young when I met him. So his, he was real high energy then. Um, I think that, he will be a situational defensive end, but I do think he will work his way back into the rotation to be more full-time. Um, and that's just really like during the course of him getting his feedback under him during training camp in, in these first couple games. And I think he'll end up taking it over. A good side of having him is one, he is like a, a team leader and he's very outspoken. So having a better presence like that sometimes will rally some other guys around him too and make them play at a higher level. And, um, I think it was needed too. So having another veteran there who can kind of give some um, insight on what he sees throughout his career to some of these younger guys, I think is good. You were about to head to Baltimore when he was in his first uh, year or two. Was he loud as a youngster or did he grow into that as he became? I was there with him for at least one season. Yeah. At least one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So um, not loud, but he was young. So he was very like active and always just doing stuff uh, <laughs> back then. So uh, I'm pretty sure he's like mellowed out since then. But uh, in practice, he was one of those people where I'm really just trying to get the steps down because I haven't played in a lot of these games and he's going full speed in practice. And it's like, every once in a while I had to like pound him in his chest to like make him slow down. Like, hey, we'll keep going this all day or just let me get what I need to get out of this practice because I still got to play. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Are there things... Are there traits that you saw early on? Like, obviously, he was a youngster, a third-round pick. Um, there are there things that you saw in going up against him in practice that you knew that he was going to be a you know a long-time player in the NFL? Yeah, I did. I seen it. I could tell his passion for the game. I could tell that even at practice, he was playing as if he was in the game. So I always couldn't wait to see him in the game situation to make sure he applied that to the field. But um, he, you could tell he was always trying to become better each week. You had Jerry Allen. You had all those guys older him that was there and he was learning from them and being around. He was almost like a little brother to them because he kind of probably annoyed them too, but he was there and he was always trying to learn. And I hung out with him outside of the locker room too. Sally, when it was announced or leaked that he was going to work out for the Vikings, that was kind of around the time we were going to have our show last week. And uh, did you not think it was that big of a deal? Are you excited about it? Or what's your take on the Everson stuff? Once they agreed to um, have a workout, it was probably pretty likely that it could happen. They wouldn't waste his time or their time if they weren't open to it. Um, I'm excited about it, pretty much like what you guys said. Um, I do think a locker room guy is needed. Um, I love the energy that he has. We don't have a lot of big personalities on this team. Um, and what is he, a four-time pro bowler? I mean, he's a um, he's he's a good guy to look up to. Um, however, I mean, why do we think he hasn't landed on a roster yet, uh, towards the end of August, if he's going to be a starter? That's what I want to know from you guys. There's no good answer to that. The last one that's really hanging out there is, is it Adrian Claiborne from the Browns, but he's 
being nursed back because of a torn Achilles. So the last two off the board were Justin Houston and Melvin Ingram. Um, and then once those guys gave everyone cover, they're kind of the big dudes off the board and it left Griffin. So it's a very good question as to why nobody took a flyer on him. In 2020, he played for the Lions and the Cowboys, and he had six sacks while playing about half the snaps altogether. So the production still there as PFF was decent. It, it wasn't like uh, he was in 2017 or so, but that's a very good question. Maybe maybe we'll find out that he's just more indeed a situational dude that only plays you know third of the time. Uh, we still have the the motorized version of him where he's spectacular, and I don't know if that's a, a Vikings t- trait of his. But no, I do not have a good answer. Tom, do you have a good answer on that? Why it's taken Griffin so long? Well, I think at this point, barring an injury to anybody else on the defensive line, uh, he's going to be a rotational guy for us. I still think he is the second best defensive lineman or defensive end on the team. But Wanham seems like he's earned that role, according to the coaches. And uh, we also drafted Weatherly. So we're going to want to keep him fresh throughout the year. Even the last time he was on the team, he started super strong. And then by the end of the year, he kind of tapered off. So we want to keep him fresh rolling into the playoffs where we expect to be. And Dustin, I I will say, um, and this is just pure speculation, but my guess why he he probably didn't latch on anywhere else is probably because of the the tweets, like ironically. And I think that the fact that Zimmer is here. And or just like the volatility of who, no one wants bringing a free agent off the street um, if they're going to be that vocal on stuff. Um, you know, they, you know, usually want to keep stuff in house, anyways. But I think the track record with Zimmer and and Rick Spielman, um, I think that kind of um, gave or is what had the opportunity here. Um, just knowing that no one knows him better than those two guys, um, having coached him for all that time. So, um, you know, I go back to that, what, 17 year when he had his little, uh, breakdown, which I mean, I'm glad he was able to get the help from that, but, um, look at that Sunday's game, how much the team missed him. Um, (laughs) even though he was the only one that wasn't there, um, you know, they got shellacked being 17 point favorites to the bills. So, um, clearly this team like is, rallies behind him and i think it's going to be a win-win for both while he's not going to play 100 percent of the snaps it's uh he's gonna get the best out of this team and the team's gonna get the best out of him another thing to note for listeners is the streak continues daniel hunter has never played a professional football game without everson griffin somewhere on the roster it was by accident last year that he was hurt and then griffin was gone but now they're sort of reunited not saying that he's the one that paved the way entirely for uh, Hunter, but it's interesting that they're they're bedfellows. Sorry, Sally, I cut you off. I was just going to say I don't really think that another franchise would. I mean, it would be barely be a. It's not very newsworthy to any other market, but this one about his tweets and yeah, those tweets were not great. But I mean, there's players out there that do far worse than that and still are employed before August, so. <laughs> I don't think that people would really even remember them other than us. Right. And then cousins even downplayed them today saying that that was smoothed out back in January. If that's, if that's true, then lovely. The other big bit of news that isn't going to go away. It doesn't feel for a couple of weeks is the fact that Anthony Barr has a mysterious injury that nobody seems to know what it is. It feels eerily uh, comparable to Daniel Hunter last year. And we don't know if he's going to play week one, and that's after he missed 14 and a half games last year. So, Bryant, I'm wondering, in your player experience, during training camp, during preseason, if a guy was hurt, would other players 
know about it, if it was, you know, a mystery to the media, or didn't you really get into another player's injury business? You know, you know, some with somebody injured because you ask your practice why they practice. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> people would know they probably, you know, a lot of the injuries and everything they withhold from the media just because they say they don't want to use it as a weakness of other of another team. So that's why if people are like always probable, but they're probably injured, but they can still play through the injury or hurt. They say you either hurt or you're injured. So um, they never want to reveal what it is a lot of times until they have to or they want it all. Uh, just because they don't want to make it become a weakness of yours. So on his prognosis, it, it leaves a roster hole because we didn't really address any linebacker needs outside of the draft. So it would be Eric Kendricks, Nick Vigil, and somebody else. It could be DJ Wanham standing up in a linebacker capacity, as we've seen in training camp. Or it could be uh, Chaz Surratt. That part's unknown because we don't know if this bar thing is actually dire or not. Uh, Tom, do you expect this to be an IR situation where he's going to miss multiple games, or are we just uh, have that in our bodies and minds because of what happened to Hunter last year? We have the fear, and it's because <laughs> of what happened to Hunter. Uh, I think maybe Troy Dye will start in his place week one, but I don't think it's going to be a long-term thing for far. It was like in a matter of a week, we went from two strong side linebackers to we're not sure who, because we had Barr and Cameron Smith. Cameron Smith retired after a concussion in a preseason game, and last year had open heart surgery. And now he's going to, think, take on photography, which is pretty awesome. So, yeah, we're, we're kind of skinny at linebacker when we didn't foresee that whatsoever. K.J. Wright is available. He's a free agent from Seattle. He had a Pro Bowl about five years ago, and he's pretty solid. I don't know if the Vikings are going to spend any of their $14 million in cap, but what say you, Ron? Do you think the Barr thing is spooky? I think there's always cause for concern, um, especially at this point when it there is so much secretiveness around it. Um, you know, it does again have that eerily familiar situation going back to last year. Um, <clears throat> while, and I'm not discounting what Barr does on the field, I think he means a lot. Um, that does that goes out of the box score, but he's not the player that Daniel Hunter is, and Daniel Hunter's a game wrecker. So I think you can fill in that spot a little easier than you know, an elite pass rusher. Um, now, while I would love to see him out there because of his versatility and his ability and coverage um, and the fact that he doesn't miss tackles, um, you know, we can, we can scrape together linebackers because they're playing against Kendrick or alongside Kendricks. And we know what kind of a game changer he is. So whether it's vigil and Surratt or die, um, I think they'll be able to um, piecemeal together some guys out there um, because of the front. Um, and with those big guys up front, um, the line, Backers really just have to do their job. So um, while it will hurt, um, I think there's a lot more that would hurt even more. Sally, what's your panic panic meter tell you on Anthony Barr? Um, I'm going to try not to, you know, be too negative about it and just be, you know, think that it'll work itself out and not be a similar situation. However, the fact that Zimmer said he might not be ready for week one leads that it's not just, you know, a little tweak. It was the Sun Zimmer that revealed that. When I first read the the tweet on it, uh, I saw that that's pretty forthcoming. But then it turns out it was the kid Zimmer, so it made it made more sense that it was coming from that messenger. Uh, I think it's spooky mainly because I wanted this pristine defense back in its form, and we know that Barr is a captain of it, and he Griffin 
Thielen and Hitman are the only four now that have been with Zimmer the whole ride. And I was hoping to have Barr on the field. And I'm hoping that this was just over overblown in the sense that we assume it's going to be season long. And if it is anything, it turns out it's just the first couple of games. So last year I made a lot of uh, assumptions that a Zimmer defense would be fine no matter what. And I was wickedly wrong. It was not. You cannot piecemeal together reservist players, some of all parts to have at even an average defense. It was pitiful at times for a lot of the time. So this one does concern me, um, although I do trust Zimmer with most of his players intact to limp by without bar if need be. What about this preseason stuff? There's a lot of panic on that as well. Sally, we've had two doldrum uh, performances, two games that were pretty damn sloppy. I had high hopes for the Colts game, at least in terms of seeing the first team offense. And you left even more shattered because the first team offense looked worse than the offense against the Broncos. And I thankfully can see the, the preseason aspect and a lot of, a lot of people can't, they get panicked. And I think even Paul Allen said that this version of cousins that he's seen this off season isn't good. And that's weird for PA to say. So mm-hmm. is there something to read into here? I think we'd all like them to look sharp, um, but I'm going to ask Bryant about it in a minute about preseason, but what's your take? Um, I normally don't freak out too much about the preseason, but it'd be nice to see something, a little something to be excited about. And the only thing I can really point to is the holes that the holes that the offensive line opened up for a couple run plays um, to not have one touchdown, one offensive touchdown in two games from any of the offenses, first string, second or third or further down is pretty concerning to me. But again, it's preseason, um, but it's probably going to take a few weeks, I would say, to get in the zone, it seems like. And then we're going to start the first team offense for a while against the Chiefs on Friday night. So either that's the new three-game philosophy that Zimmer's using, or he too is miffed that things aren't clicking. Uh, so that's noteworthy that we thought we'd probably just get a big rest fest where all the first teamers yeah. did like we did habitually under Zimmer and pretty much any coach in the fourth game of preseason, but no, Bryant, we're going to see some starters against the chiefs and the Chiefs starters. They're doing it too. Yay. Um, mm. Did you have shitty preseason experiences where nothing seemed to click or was it all usually pretty smooth sailing for your, your teams in the preseason? No, it's never like smooth sailing. Like it does take time, especially on offense. See what well, offense is you need everybody. You need all with 11 guys to be on the same page at one time on defense. Ten guys can make a mistake. One guy make a sack or an interception to big play. So offense is going to take a little longer. Um, but I mean, they should be scoring uh, at least a touchdown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, is there uh, something? Is there something to be said about like with a new offensive coordinator? There's not a lot of film out on him that he doesn't necessarily want to like expose some of he his might key not plays. Want to reveal a lot of plays yet? Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, like especially with like not all the the awful arsenal starters out there. He might be giving them like very vanilla um plays out here for um preseason, and then but he have like a lot of different plays that he want to display, you know, during the season and things like that. Because teams do that. I mean, a lot of teams really wait till like the playoffs, but some teams even open up with some you know those type of plays anyway. So it could be a possibility. You guys really think that uh, little Kubiak is reinventing the wheel here with Zimmer <laughs> no, still not, in charge? I not mean, that, just more so like 
you know, you know that there's going to be certain plays that are going to be money when you have Dalvin in the backfield and you have Thielen and Jefferson on the outside. And why use them when you're running with Madison and uh, um, KJ Osborne and, you know, whoever the other receivers are like that, that type of stuff where you're working on more of the the vanilla offense, you know, as if the, okay. the Vikings offense can get more vanilla, but with kind of a shell of the guys that you're working with. That's more of what I mean, not necessarily yeah, trying new things. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> I mean, it's very possible though. They may be with those guys. Uh, hope that doesn't happen, but <laughs> it's always possible. I don't mean injuries. I'm not talking about injuries. I'm talking about the other situation could very well happen. Oh yeah. I mean, Cole Beasley's in there right now. So yeah. Tom, I uh, don't, get freaked out by the preseason. I think it's weird that they haven't scored an offensive touchdown and it gets on my nerves that I have to listen to Viking land, get freaked out about preseason ad nauseum because of, uh, you know, vanilla offense and ineptitude. Um, but what we want to hear your perspective, of course, everybody would like to see the ball going all over the field, but does it spook you at all? The only thing that spooks me is Clint Kubiak himself. Cause I just don't know what he's going to do out there. And he actually, in his opening press conference, talked about how he had all this experience uh, setting up plays during the preseason before when his dad didn't do it. And I'm like, oh, well, I hope he did better than this. I don't know which games they were. <laughs> but, but I would like to see the offense move a little bit. I think they will be successful just because of the talent they have. Uh, I wish they wouldn't run the ball and wait like 30 seconds to hike it every single play this year but that's kind of what we've been seeing so like a little more up tempo but overall no fear when they said they weren't going to play 30 players i knew we were going to lose by 30 against the broncos yeah uh, on the running the ball or not snapping the ball zimmer is a time possession time of possession guy and i think he likes to control that and that's one of the methods for better or for worse uh ron i know you're not panicked but let's let's hear your your thoughts so for me like right away that broncos game when you know what Browning started and then Mond after what two days of practice. Um, I knew it wasn't going to be pretty. Um, I was actually just a little more disappointed, especially when Mond is out there. Why is he handing it off as much as he is? Like, I don't care to see, you know, what is it? AJ Rose? Is that his name? Yep. I don't care to see his, uh, you know, what he's doing on the field, like as bad as that sounds, but we're all there to see Kellen Mond and how the professional protection holds up. So I was a little more disappointed about that, but I think that was just situationally like, Hey, he's a rookie who is just getting back from practice after having COVID. So let's take it easy on him. Um, but, uh, you know, the second game, you know, even just watching it, there was a lot of, um, like not necessarily head scratchers what they're doing, but it's also, like, you know, there was a lot more dinking and dunking in that game than the Vikings really had all last year. So now is that a Kubiak wrinkle or is it, Hey, we're just trying to get out of here healthy. We're just trying to get some live reps in and see what happens from there. So I actually like the idea that some of these starters, especially Kirk um, are going to be playing on there this weekend, because it's a big thing about getting, getting them in rhythm right off the bat. Now, and I'll say this with a caveat of, I understand the NFL, like you don't overlook an opponent, but it's Cincinnati week one. So let's be real about it there. Um, Burrow hasn't looked, looked great. Um, come back from his injury. Jamar Chase has struggled. They're a young team that the Vikings should be favored in anyways. So let's not go out there and just throw up a stinker. Let's get these guys some live reps so that they're not knocking off rust week one and looking worse than what they should be. 
So we'll see what happens uh, this weekend. I think they got a think we. Sorry, Sally. I think we refer to the Bengals game as a trap game. Yeah. <laughs> I think Can you have a trap game week one, Brian? On to Cincinnati. We had against San Francisco in 2015. Yeah. On a 10 o'clock Monday night game. Yeah. I'll say it again. I think they got to win Cincinnati Bengals game. Not necessarily to get a good taste in their mouth, but because the rest of the schedule doesn't have gimme games. And I don't even consider the Bengals a gimme game because uh, I do see talent on that roster that uh, some of you might not see. It helps with momentum, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, but uh, besides the Lions games, you pull up the schedule, it's not hard to find ones that are like, oh, that's a win. And I, I, I'm reluctant to do that against the Bengals because uh, these Vikings, even when they win in week one, have a vanilla version of it. It's usually uh, don't throw the ball very much, just play defense and get the hell out of the building. And if that works, so fine and dandy. Uh, but I'd, I'd rather a convincing victory and then not have that nasty feeling in my stomach that, oh God, we're going to have one of those games right out of the gate. Um, so that's just a, a little anxiety of mine. Uh, I'm not overlooking uh, the Bengals. You, Ron, spoke about uh, Browning and Mond, and we were high on Browning about three and a half weeks ago. He was supposed to be the quarterback two based on a scrimmage at Egan. His stock has since plummeted. Uh, Mond is still getting his feet underneath him. He wasn't drafted to play at any time this year but we're showcasing him to get some of those snaps. We don't know who the QB two will be. We don't know if either one of these guys is good enough to do it if they're called upon in the regular season. So do you endorse signing a veteran type when all of these cuts are made on the 31st? I absolutely do. Um, And not so much. um, I mean, like usually in any other year with, uh, you know, without the protocols and say COVID wasn't a thing I'd roll it. I think that it would just be Kirk and Mond and that's what you're doing at Mm -hmm. quarterback. But knowing Kirk's status and knowing that everything can be up in the air, I think they will keep a third. Um, I don't think that'll be Browning anymore. I think they're whether it's um, CJ Beathard, um, I think he's likely out in Jacksonville. Um, and there's some other veterans out there that um, may become available that you wouldn't expect. And I think not, I don't think Kirk needs any tutelage. I don't think Sean Mannion's the answer as a backup because like, what's he going to teach Kirk that Kirk does, isn't aware of. Um, but I think having uh, more of veteran type presence um, to help with Mond um, while the plays are kind of going on. Cause obviously I think Kirk will be, um, will have his ear in that regard, but I think, while plays are going on while they're getting the play calls and to have a veteran to kind of help him understand and get up to speed from the sidelines. I think that'll be helpful. Bryant. Incidentally, I think tonight is about the one year anniversary of our show. And throughout this year, a couple times you've talked about players that perform when the bright lights come on and the ones that play awesome in practice, but then struggle when the bright lights come on. Have you ever seen the inverse where a quarterback or a player in general is not very good in the in the preseason or in practice, but then boom, the regular season hit, and he's gangbusters. Um, not like they weren't very good, but I see that I could see progression. I could see okay. that they got better as the season went on, but they had to be somewhat good for them to even <laughs> have the opportunity, <laughs> you know, to be in that position. So, I, but I've definitely seen players have progression to get better and be able to read things faster and stuff like that. And I hope that's where we're at with Mond. Uh, he does make plays with his feet. He's quicker than Kirk. And that's part of the reason we drafted is because he's the anti-Kirk. Uh, he does the things well that we accuse Kirk of not doing. 
And then he's got a high upside that just needs development. So the fact that he hasn't been a QB one in preseason should surprise nobody. Uh, he's raw and we knew that. Uh, so that's a couple of disclaimers to take into account. I would be fine if it is Mond as QB two, because at some point he'll need to develop. And that if that needs to be for a week or two while Cousins has the coronavirus, then that's what was written in the cards. Um, I also wouldn't oppose exploring a backup quarterback, but if it's just Mannion again, I, I don't see the upside to that. It seems like the the Vikings move would be to just go scoop Mannion once he got released by the Seahawks. I don't have any authority or rumor of that. It just, it, I could feel that in my bones. Uh, but Tom, do you want to see Mond as the QB two, or do you endorse the acquisition of a free agent? Well, I can't remember. Is he actually the anti-cousins? Is he vaccinated? <laughs> if not, I can see both. <laughs> I can see them both being out, in which case uh, Browning's back in, baby. Woo. Yeah. So it'd have to be a free agent vaccinated quarterback. Do you yeah. endorse that? Yeah. I think we need somebody, a free agent, to come in. Like, Browning looked so bad week one of the preseason. I was specifically watching him try to go through his reads, and it was a, it was a struggle. At it was this a struggle mo- for me to watch. <laughs> at, at this moment in time, it would really only be Blake Bortles that would be the solid play at QB2. Yeah. Best um, QB from that draft. But, but there will be probably... No, Andy Dalton. <laughs> oh, Don't she, insult Andy Dalton. She likes his red hair. No, I don't <laughs> like his specifically, but I mean... <laughs> Carson Palmer's red hair. Cam Newton was still in that class, and Cam's still uh, a viable option. Oh, God, I forgot Cam was in that class. He's almost as good as Dalton. Almost. (laughs) There should be about three to six quarterbacks that get cut in the 53-man trim down, and that is in six days. So that's probably... Who, though? Matt Castle's not around, so I don't know. That would be that would be if you're looking for an upgrade, that'd be the time to do it. Otherwise, it's Bortles or bust because the rest of the dudes are really nothing besides Ryan. Finney. So who, so who's practice squad then? That's what we have to ponder. <laughs> well, uh, I think Browning or Stanley will end up on the practice squad because of their familiarity here, and uh, they'll yeah. bring in someone else to be the whether it's so the third or second. Saying- carry three QBs on the active roster active roster. Oh, well, it's been a hot minute since that's been the case. Uh, yeah. I think it's strictly <laughs> Freeman, because of Josh the... Freeman. Oh God. <laughs> those are Brian, those are... you were, was that, was that in your tenure here? I can't remember what year that Josh Freeman situation nope, was. He was gone. That was like, yeah, that, was, that, was what that, is. <laughs> that was 2013. And uh, Bryant was with the Ravens. Yeah. Yeah, three quarterbacks would be not fun. Hmm. I just think the availability is going to be the the main thing. If 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 we have to forfeit games because we don't have an active quarterback, then Jefferson would step in. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Jefferson would step in. We've been seeing. Oh yeah. Oh, that would be the that'd be the stuff of legends. Chaz Surratt going back there. We don't have a Joe Webb emergency QB either. Like, this is not a great situation. Uh, Tom, Uh, this this offseason, Tom, we had our usual uh, slew of storylines that were comical or outrageous. Um, Do you have any that come to mind? Uh, For instance, Julio Jones possibly 
being traded here in that in that vein? Do you have any that pop out? The the main storyline that I found insane was uh, a free agent defensive end insulting a quarterback for a team that he wants to join, and then actually joining that team <laughs> blew me away. Yeah, it, it was real life. Ron, what about you? I thought about that too. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> like, was it gonna be awkward when they see each other? You know. So. Did you ever have any moments well, like that where where <laughs> a free agent or someone had had said something about the team you're on in the past and then came back? No. <laughs> well, here's Kirk the thing, you know. This is probably one reason Kirk is um, thankful for COVID um, restrictions because he can't really be that close to him. <laughs> you know, like he has to be masked and he Except can't really be around him. Rashad Hill's yeah. starting. <laughs> but they're on the opposite side, you know, so they probably really don't interact very much. I meant when he's getting sacked by him because oh! because uh, <laughs> because Rashad Hill's out there. <laughs> yeah, but, that uh, went over my head. That's, yeah, that's, that's true. Um, true. Sally, what's your outrageous storyline from the offseason? Um, okay, I wasn't expecting to be on the spot here. <laughs> uh, I don't really know. I mean, the I guess the, the COVID issues is the outrageous being the worst in the league percentage wise, uh, having to bring in doctors and our coach begging publicly and all of that. I didn't expect that. Yeah. And especially yeah, in, in a, in a, in a state that, uh, touts, um, type of like blue ideology more so than other states. I didn't think that we would have uh, a stalwart, in the in the vaccination stuff, at least that this would be the team, but I don't, and it hasn't improved. I think Chad Graff and the Athletics said yesterday, but still, we're still the bottom of the league for the vaccination rate. So it's a very well. Valid when the point. cuts happen from the ninety team, ninety player roster, it's going to be way worse. Yeah, because yeah. all of those guys are most likely vaccinated, vaccinated because they don't want to be win. cut. Yeah. So it's gonna probably. I mean, it could be under fifty percent from the players that I know of. Ugh. Ron, what's yours? I I'll mean, hopefully not. <laughs> um, for me, I would say kind of the unpredictability that the off season kind of went. Um, we went from, um, you know, I, it was Wednesday night where we where we were recording, and uh, the news just a little bit earlier broke that Patrick Peterson had signed and or was mm-hmm. signing here, and I think that was just so out of nowhere. Um, but and that was just kind of the like just the tip of the iceberg for the whole off season. It was, you know, bringing back Sheldon Richardson, all of a sudden, you know, signing all these veterans that have played and started across the league that we're at first, we were like, where are we going to have money to even bring back the guys that we want to bring back? And then all of a sudden we have, you know, still 14 million or so at this point. So I think um, the fact that we had so much turnover from last year on our defense where they were um, and with all the troubles that they had and potential cap, problems and here we are boasting on paper what looks like you know a top five top 10 defense um to go along with that offense that performed uh, extremely well last year so i think the unpredictability of the offseason is um what stands out to me i had a couple because i wrote about them um right after stafford was traded on january 1st for that uh king's ransom uh the day after the morning after there were two sources that said that Cousins was being shopped to the 49ers and that never happened. Uh, the way that it was presented as such, like it was getting to be somewhat inevitable that Kirk was on the trading block. And I don't, I don't think that he ever actually was. 
And then we had the idea for about two months that Dakota Dozier was going to start again at guard. And you'd basically have to concede that the coaches nor Spielman does any type of reconnaissance on their own team if they were going to do that again. Um, so we went through two months of thinking this is going to be it. Lo and behold, it wasn't. They traded for Mason Cole. They drafted Wyatt Davis. And then they're ultimately going to start uh, Ole Udo, uh, at least out of the gate to see what he's got. Now, the Julio thing was ridiculous, never got too many legs. And then the one I was guilty of buying into was the fact that Rodgers would go elsewhere. Uh, I was convinced that his <clears throat> malcontent was real. It probably was, but they come to a kumbaya. I thought he'd be playing for the Broncos by now because whimsically, they don't uh, have a long-term planet quarterback when they easily could have had Justin Fields. So I thought that they did not draft fields because they were going to get Rogers. And that was outrageous to me that I, I allowed myself to believe in that type that he wasn't going to play for the Packers. And I got that one wrong. Uh, me last... too. <laughs> we all did. I was there too. The last thing I want to ask is of Tom, before we get to Sally's segment for us, Tom uh, roster battles, if we would have uh, been on air last week would have been a little bit more, uh, intriguing to go over, but I want to get your take on the defensive end that we kind of touched on wide receiver three. And then just in case the strong side linebacker on the event, that bar is out. So let's start with who's your prediction for right defensive end. I think uh, Wanham's got that in the bag right now. And uh, there will be a lot of rotations Griffin for third downs. Uh, maybe he'll kick inside a little bit too, but Wanham seems like he's got the, the step up over Weatherly and over Griffin. WR, sorry. Maybe just based on familiarity. I know, like, we always want to start people that we used to have or that know the defense or bring them back. WR3, sir. Uh, WR3, I'm going to go with, uh, gosh, that's tough. Smith Marset, maybe, or Osborne. Osborne's had a great camp, but he didn't really stand out to me too much during the preseason. And you so don't, I would, you don't think that <clears throat> Westbrook will be healthy enough to be listed as WR three on the first official depth chart. He might be, but I feel like he's going to be one of those signings that we have where it looks good on paper, and then he gets four passes thrown his way on third down, comes down with zero of them, <laughs> and uh, we say that was unfortunate. That's a bust. What are cuts? August thirty first. Six oh, days from so now. Like a week. Oh, yeah, our, our show. Our show will have a ninety or fifty-three man roster when we get back on next Wednesday. Uh, and then Tom, uh, who is the linebacker contingency plan? Oh gosh, uh, <laughs> you didn't I, study. I thought Troy Dye. I thought Troy Dye looked the best out of the backups when I was watching. Uh, I mean, we got the third round pick, Surratt. So he's he looked pretty good, but every single time on play action when I watched him week one. He got sucked up and they threw it behind him, which PFF didn't grade the way I thought they would. Fair enough. All right, Sally, what do you got for us tonight? Okay. Um, what Vikings team that you can think of in history um, surprised you the most based on how you felt about them in the offseason? Brett, it can be positive or negative that they surprised you, but just were completely different than you expected. Bryant, as a player, which one, which team surprised you the most while you were on it? Surprised me in what way? 
Say that again. Either either going into the season, you didn't have very high expectations for the team, and then they ended up being really successful, or vice versa. You thought this is going to be a great team. We're going to the Super Bowl, and you really weren't very good at all. <laughs> that's got to be 2010, doesn't it? Uh, that's what I was going to say. Was 2010, <laughs> but I well, wasn't there. Be a problem. I mean, I didn't think so in 2010. I felt like 2010 was forced. So I never went back into 2010 thinking like, oh, we're going to do the same thing. I feel like it was forced. So I never, mm-hmm. I never even viewed it like that. I feel like it was what it was in 2009. And when you have to go to somebody's house and stay there overnight from Vincent to come back, you're forcing it. Cause that's, it wasn't, his heart wasn't really into it. Like you have to do all that. Like you had to send somebody there. And I like, know it was, it was, it was overnight. I don't remember overnight. Hutchinson, yeah, Longwell. Yeah. I knew they went there, right? Now they, they had a sleep over. There was, yeah. it was a slumber party. Uninvited, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Would they just show up with a sleeping bag? Let That's us know. Some things uninvited. He, got up, he woke up the next morning with his bags packed and told him, let's go. But like, he really had to sleep on it. Like, if they didn't do that, I doubt who became back. You know what I'm saying? So it was like, he just did it because he got to sleep with my house. And he came down here, and, you know, I don't want to let them down. Like, give me a chance to think about it. Kind of put on a spot. So it was like, how you tell these people that flew here? No. So. Did he come back like when he showed up in the locker room? Like what were kind of I guess his rallying? Uh, like did he boast confidence that um, that we were gonna have another run at it, or was it kind of lackadaisical? Like uh, I'm, I just it. already in my mind kind of was like it's like last year it was he was happy to be there. If you got to go get somebody, like come on, it's like it's not as exciting. So I feel like he accomplished a lot. He had one of his best seasons in his career. You know what I'm saying? So to him, he felt like he ended on a good note to only to be forced to come back again because other people wanted to be like, no, let's do it again. It's like, I was okay with what I did. Tom, mm-hmm. what's what's your season that was either a pleasant surprise or unexpected letdown? Uh, well, the 09 season was a pleasant surprise, but letdown was the first Kirk year. Uh, you know, we had such a good roster. Mm-hmm. I didn't think we were getting too old like I did the 2010 season where I, I wasn't super confident going in, just like uh, BMAC. But I was still confident that first Kirk year that we could run it back, maybe dominate some teams, and then we kind of just fell apart. On this one, I'll say that every Zimmer year that is 7-9 and nine or 8-8 eight and eight feels like 3-13 and 13 because we have this expectation that we're going to finally break through because we got a pretty damn good defense. And so when we finished seven and nine last year, at least according to people that I associate with, it feels like three and 13 and might as well have the first pick in the draft. So those are, those are letdowns. Um, but mine surprise, surprise is a positive one uh, was 2015. Uh, I knew the team would grow from its seven and nine record. Uh, Zimmer's rookie season brought competence back to the organization and a brand of defense that had been lacking for some reason under Leslie Frazier, a defensive brain. So when they went to Green Bay and won week 17, I think, Sally, you said you were there at that one. Um, yep. I did not. And it was, it was my, one of the first games that my, my wife watched and my girlfriend at the time. And I was like, you know, this, this game is one of those ones where you're going to, we're going to get really excited and it's not going to happen. But they, they went into that stadium against Rogers at really a prime age of his career and snatched the division away. Um, of course, it yep. did end happily the week after. Um, but for them to grow in that short period of time with Bridgewater in his second year, 
uh, doing just enough to get the team by Adrian leading the league in rushing. Uh, I thought 2015 exceeded my expectations because I thought they were, they were just going to climb the ladder nine and seven. And then maybe the following year, they'd break up to break out to 11 and five, but that, that was mine, especially in recent history, Ron, which is yours. So I will say, um, and it ends obviously somber as we all know, but that 17, 18 season, um, just everything that happened, um, like going, you know, Adrian Peterson being let go and, you know, we draft Dalvin and then Dalvin gets hurt. And in that lions game that, oh, yeah. uh, um, you know, if, if that doesn't happen, we probably win that game and we host, um, the Eagles rather than going there, but, uh, just uh, everything that happened even throughout the season where it's like, just when you think things are going well, then, you know, well, it's not so much like we don't know if uh, Bradford's ever coming back and then he gets his shot to come back and clearly it wasn't the, the right play. Um, and then, you know, the whole season knowing like, are we really rolling this season with Case Keenum as our quarterback? Um, and then, you know, the playoff games and then obviously the Minneapolis miracle and then the, the chance like, Hey, we can bring this home. Like we legitimately can. And then I fly my ass out to Philly and, uh, and uh, that happened. So um you know, it was just one of those where it seemed everything just like was weird, like the entire season. So it was, it's a testament to the team sportedness of football. Um, you had a running back, Latavius Murray, and Case Keenum. And McKinnon. Yep. And McKinnon, Case Keenum, who hasn't done anything remotely close to what he did in 2017 since. It's a testament to what a defense can do to a football team. And it, I, I hope that we see a defense that fire firebrand version of it before Zimmer retires. Um, but man, that defense was, you look back, it was just spectacular. Sally, that was, this was a wonderful question. Who do you got? Do we steal all of your good, your good takes? So, I mean, I would say 2010 was definitely the highest expectations. Um, that was a huge letdown, obviously, especially then when Randy came back Yeah. and I was like, Oh, okay. Uh, here we go. This was like the missing piece. Let's get it together. Um, so that was the most disappointing, I think, for me. And then probably most surprising would be, um, even though it was a very brief period in the offseason, but when Teddy went down and then they uh, got Bradford. And I mean, because my expectations were like two wins. And so <laughs> it, was, it was better. But those are the ones in recent memory anyway. All right. Uh, two weeks from tonight, we're going to have a joint show. A Bengals podcast reached out to me with a couple of dudes from the Bengals. Oh, and they, hell yeah. Yep. And they want to get on here and uh, discuss. There's actually a guy that on Twitter uh, said something strange, and then I counterpointed him, and he ended up respecting that. And I guess we became pals, and he wanted me to come on the show. And I said, why don't we make it a, a big a big party? So. He'll record it on Google Hangouts or Meets or something like that and then send me the audio file so we can publish under our brand. That's two weeks from tonight. We'll figure out next week when that time comes, but we'll have a 53-man roster to dissect. Uh, the last thing I'll leave the group with and the listeners and fans is that there will be cuts to players that feel a little bit more heartbreaking this year than they do in years past. You can't sign a slew of defensive free agents that you didn't expect to see and then keep all the same guys on the roster that you've come to know and love. Uh, I don't mean anything I shocking. Do. Just, just guys like that, who's got a, who yeah. has emotional attachments to backup players. <laughs> oh, are you kidding me? Al <laughs> Sloter, do you not remember him? <laughs> no, I mean, dude. I mean, I don't know. I don't associate with people that are that weird. Guys, and so I don't. Maybe. That, 
I don't Same think here. Chad Beebe will be cut, <laughs> but guys in that caliber that have been on the team or associated with the team for a couple years. Uh, are you telling me people are going to break down over a Chad Beebe yeah. cut? Oh that my will be God. people. Yeah. Well, yeah, you, I don't, and for the record, I don't think he'll be one of them, uh, but it'll just, be, it'll be names that you're like, hmm, wow. Dakota Dozier, hopefully he's on that list. And I don't think there'll be a single, uh, uh, no, Viking pop fan that champagne uh, over that. Well, he's yeah. making the roster. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, Brian. Um, who is the most uh, at any point in your career the most unexpected cut? Um, other than yourself, I guess you could take out of that. But um, any player that you had that you're like, there's no way this guy's getting cut, and then they did. <laughs> well, when that Randy Moss thing happened, <laughs> remember he didn't know I had to take him. Yeah, <laughs> that was unexpected. <laughs> Yeah. What about what about heading into a season? Was there ever uh, a 53 man roster that you really holy smoke, so and so didn't make it? No, I feel like for the most part, I feel like for the most part, a lot of people who I thought was going to make it made. Okay. Yeah, I didn't have anybody say like, wow, well, maybe the year. I don't know. Did Noel, did he get cut or something? Traded? He left via free agency, I thought, because he okay, signed so it. Signed remember, it. Yeah, I don't really yeah. remember that. Anybody. Yeah, every of recent memory for the Vikings, um, you know, Alex Boone comes to mind. Like we just brought him <laughs> in, a big free agent signing, and then uh, the next year he's gone. So, um, but otherwise, yeah, it doesn't seem like it really happens. Where like it's bubble guys that always get cut. It's never the oh you're slated to start at defensive end and now you're going to cut. Yeah, so like a lot of the people who I'm thinking. They may have just been a contract, may have been up like a Travis Taylor or mm-hmm. like a Bernard Barry. You know, I think they just played the contract out and just didn't get brought back. Well, on that offensive line note, Ron, we will conclude the show. There's a long line of offensive line swings and misses, not with Bryant's team, but with this last six, seven years of uh, Vikings football. So, Tom, thanks for coming back. Uh, we appreciate you um, being, being willing to be back. Yep, we'll, we'll keep our eyes on you, and then we'll have you back again, sir. Perfect. Brian, it's almost as if when you left, you put us in the offensive line purgatory. So, yeah, they shouldn't have called <laughs> Shelly. <laughs> Big mistake. All right, that's all we got. School Vikings. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.